All right, everyone, welcome back to the PPC podcast. I'm back again uh, with one of our favorite guests, one of, I don't know, two oh, or three. Oh, you're just saying that. <laughs> Tobin Wilson, back here. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, man. It's been a while, and uh, I've missed it. I really enjoy this, and it's fun, and it rocks. And for those that are listening, thanks so much for checking it out. It's kind of between Sunday and the rest of life, and in that thin space, you can say stuff here that you normally can't. I think you're right. You know, and that's what makes it really refreshing and fun. Yeah, more of an authentic conversation. And heck, we might be wrong sometimes, uh, but whatever. I know, It's discussion. It's dialogue. And chances are 80% of what we say is wrong, but 20% is right, and it's up to the listener to figure out what's the 20% that's right, you know? There you go. That's your job today, listener. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Read through it. You got homework. (laughs) So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, last week's sermon uh, titled God's Realm is a Big Party. I mean, that would be awesome. That was fun, right? A big party? I know. Well, I like it. I mean, it should be a big party. It should be everything to celebrate. And I I intentionally chose God's realm instead of God's kingdom or the kingdom of God. People struggle with the notion of kingdom of God. It's so patriarchal and so, you know, so the realm of God, which is an interesting semantic shift, but... It's hard to get your mind, even my mind, uh, used to different words that mean the same thing, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of all part of the message. You know, it was all part of that. What does it mean to stay relevant um, and innovating for the sake, not just, you don't innovate for the sake of innovation, you innovate for the sake of relevance, you innovate for the sake of still hang up, having a voice, and it's probably innovate for the sake of liberate, which I just made up. 30 seconds, you know, three minutes ago, I suppose. But that's really the more I even think about last Sunday. Uh, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. You you think about it, you look at the text, you let it have its way with you, and you pray for a message. It comes out, but it still has its way in you even after it, even though you're thinking about the next time you're going to say something. So it's a fascinating dynamic. You don't just... I mean, it's got to transform me as a communicator, you as a communicator first, and it's not—it's not a moment. It's a constant—it's a constant uh, process of transformation, and that's innovation. Right. I don't know. And I'm you can see that. Stuff. No, that's, that's some serious no. BS, right? There. No, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. It made me think of—it's kind of kind of negative, but maybe think of like different industries. You know, even like you know, medical or like defense or something like that, where people innovate. And in, in their mind, it's not just to to make a buck. It, it might be as a CEO or something, but they're innovating to really affect people and change lives, to sure. liberate, to cure. You know, um, you know their their goal and their mindset is really to make a difference and and hopefully help somebody. And that's why they put that work in. That's what they're thinking from the right. very beginning. Tell me a little bit. Uh, we'll jump back into innovate. I think that's really cool. But tell me a little bit how you made this connection because we a couple weeks ago we talked about. Uh, where the text was going, um, we really wanted to to get the interns kind of plugged in there and uh, sharing their story. How mm-hmm. did you make the connection from this text that talks about, um, you know, Jesus is giving these examples of of new and old? How did you make the connection between that and kind of this idea of the gospel as a party? Well, that's a really poignant question, and I'm not sure exactly what my motivation was on that. Other than, I think life needs to be funner than it often is made out to be, including Hmm. religious things, spirituality, life with God. I mean, 
I mean, to be a Christian, to be a Buddhist, to be anything, isn't that all about flourishing and having a better life? Not, uh, you know, I struggle with words that are all, most of our words in our context today, they're kind of worn out just because mm-hmm. they've been used so much, like happiness or joy. Mm-hmm. Joy tends to be a quality a little deeper than happiness. Happiness depends on what happens today, so it's kind of a surfacey thing, but joy is... Joy is something that goes deeper and transcends whatever happens today, and you still have an element of being content, hope, possibility, uh, joy. Yeah, or <laughs> celebration. Know? Celebration. So I, I really like that notion of, uh, you know, and even I have pictures. Now they're on my computer. I used to have actual ones that you'd hold in your hand before the digital era took over of Jesus, the laughing Jesus. And you mm-hmm. can go Google that. And it's such a foreign concept to some folks. You know, wait, Jesus would laugh? Heck yeah, he would laugh. Yeah. You know, I think he was a real big laugher. Laugh. I think he liked humor. Yeah. Um, so the, this notion of, hey, there's so much nonsense going on out there. Can we begin to think about our walk with God as really being a party mm-hmm. and a celebration? There's, so, there's a lot of good reasons for it. Yeah, uh, and without detailing all those, I mean, a- any of the listeners here can just do a quick survey of all of scripture, and oh yeah, it is a party. It's a yeah. celebration. It's it's a rescue. It's a, you know, if I'm liberated from something, if I'm rescued from something, oh, what a great feeling. Yeah, you know. So and then with the interns, um, I, I'm just grateful for them. Actually, yeah. you know, it's really fun to watch. People come in a little apprehensive, grow into it, and do something they didn't. They weren't sure whether they could do or not, mm-hmm. and that's always the fun part. I don't. I'm not as intimately involved in it as you are and others, but I, I certainly get to see it, kind of a view from the balcony. And it's always the case. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely always the case. Uh, apprehension. I'm not sure. Am I ready for this? And when they're done, man, they've grown. Mm-hmm. In a sense, we should celebrate that. Yeah. Uh, and I think Jesus was about that. I mean, a lot of everything. 90% of what he did was not in a church building. It was out mm-hmm. in the streets. It was in a somebody's house having a party and eating and hanging out. Yeah. So I could go on for a long time. Yeah, but no, that's, that's good. How, that's where I saw those connections, and at least initially. Yeah. Um, and then going deeper into the text, you've got these, well, primarily one story. Well, a couple different stories within this narrative. I mean, everything's so loaded, so you kind of have to pick out what your slant is going to be. Yeah. What yeah. angle do you want to go for? And here's here's a here's a tax collector that nobody would like. I'm making up that he was not liked at all and probably hated. Um. And all of a sudden, he's embraced by Christ. So again, the move from the margins to the center. Um. And receiving him with such celebration and gratitude, uh, and bringing bringing new in, mm-hmm. and then I'm always all the way through the gospel. There's this, there's discipleship. There's a lot of themes. There's discipleship failure, um, and there's always this continued tension with the religious authorities, yeah. which I kind of represent as a pastor. You know, sure. I, I represent religious authorities, which is a strange thing for me because I I like. We all like to think of ourselves as innovators. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, at least here, most of us on staff would say, yeah, we're innovative. And yet, 
you know, in a main line that's over 100 years old, well, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that because the traditions and the what we've always done and the, we don't do it that way or we've done it this way for 10 years, you know, that, that tends to be a constant kind of uphill climb. So how do you, how do we celebrate the new in our midst? How do we navigate that deep-seated, you know, tradition in a way that respects the past but but is also hopeful for the future and still relevant. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on in my mind when I look at a text. Um, what can I? What can we handle? Mm-hmm. You know, should it be an encouraging thing? Should it be pastoral? Should it be prophetic? Should it be? There's a lot going on in there, and uh, this last Sunday was was fairly prophetic. Hopefully, with a in a positive slant, you know, with the celebratory mood. Anyway, I'm rambling now. You no, better ask good. me another question. No, that's good. I, it, it As soon as you talk about um, kind of like the church or, or we connect scripture to where the church is at, you know, it's, it's really interesting because the church has a really storied past when it comes to, uh, for lack of a better word, innovation or uh, adoption of cultural tools i mean you know i mean where else can you go and find a church that literally says or organization like we're we think it's wrong to use technology or to you we don't use instruments uh we think the gospel is okay as it is and then walk into another church and it's literally like lasers and and screens everywhere and live twitter feed and like you know uh maybe the pastor took flew there in a helicopter maybe not i don't know um and and yet on the outside someone would look at that and be like really confused because where does the quote-unquote church, does the church innovate? You could see, well, it does. Maybe it innovates too much. And then you could look at another church and be like, that church hasn't changed in a thousand years sure. and they don't want to. And I think that, you know, it's, it's funny to, to think about where is the the reader of this text, if we're going to apply it to to the gospel message and how the church reaches out, you know, where where are they at? Uh, I remember at the very beginning of kind of social media, I was working at a church and a family member uh, whom I deeply respect and as a Christian, she, she's my aunt and she, I wasn't working at like a super um, relevant church, but we had like, you know, worship slides and some colorful lights and some sales. And she's like, she, she, I think she was being nice, but she was coming from a perspective. She said something to me on social media, like, oh, do you, uh, wh- why does your church use so much technology in worship? Isn't the gospel enough? Something like that. And she came mm-hmm. from a church background that just still had a choir. And, you know, and, and I don't know, hopefully I was gracious. I was probably 22, so maybe not. But um, I remember at the time thinking like, well, that's kind of judgy. Like I could say like the Bible is like, why do you even use the printed Bible? That came out thousands of years, the printed press, thousands of years after Jesus came. Isn't that, isn't that using an innovation aren't you relying on that instead of, I mean, I don't know, you know, but, but look at that, look at that difference, right? Look at even where your audience today speaking to this church about um, how do we innovate for the gospel so that we can end in a party, you know, even the individual people listening to that in the audience, that means something different to them. Um, Maybe you, you could give some insight or maybe your opinion, you know, why do you think there's such a wide disparity between, churches or Christian, I feel like there's this hesitant and this fear of innovating all the way to like, it's all about the innovation. Hmm. 
How, how did we come to this such wide change when we read the same text and have the same charge to go out and create disciples? Oh, man, that's a really good question. It's loaded. Uh, you know, again, the helicopters and the fog machines, that's probably way over the top. Um, I think definitely for me personally, it's way over the top. Um, in fact, I don't think anybody's necessarily called from a from a Christian perspective to be famous or to be a celebrity, especially pastors. So I really reject that kind of that whole that whole culture, that whole, and that's a hard one to escape in Southern California because everything's right. so personality driven, you know, and I really kind of lament that. I, um, I have a lot of respect for folks like us that are working in mid to small sized churches that are not really interested in that. And what's more important than the personality is the message, the person that it points to, you know, which is Christ. So there's that. Um, but I wouldn't want to downplay the role of technology either or innovation in that sense. I mean, most of what Jesus did was highly innovative. The early church was highly innovative, and that actually drew other people in because they were drawn to live a different way mm-hmm. of life. And I think, you know, one of the reasons the church grew so quickly initially right after, right, right after the time of Christ was the Romans were doing horrendous things. There was a lot of disease and sickness, and the Christians were the ones that would go into these plague and disease, disease-oriented towns and, and locations, and they would nurse people either to death hmm. or back to life, hmm. and that attracted people. Yeah, they. I mean, it's fascinating. Those those are the those are, and that's innovative. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people would run away from that. The Romans certainly did. Yeah. And, uh, and in our culture today, some would run away and some would run towards it. Um, and I would hope it would be the Christians that would run towards it similarly. They also, the Romans would actually, they didn't have uh, necessarily orphanages back then, but if there was a child that was not wanted, they didn't abort it, they would just abandon it. Hmm. And Christians would come and, and retrieve those uh, newborns and, and nursemaid them unto life and adopt them and bring them in. Those are some of the real practical reasons why the, the church grew initially so quickly. Those were innovative ideas. They were things that weren't done. You just didn't do that, and yet they did that. And it was it was a, it was a missional attraction to the rest of the world, and, and the, the message of followers in the way, they weren't mm-hmm. called Christians, they were called followers of the way. That's how it spread. Right. And so there's, you know, there's, to me, it's living the tensions. Back to the answer to your question, it's living the tensions. It's not throw it all out. It's not embrace the whole thing. It's, it's just a tasteful balance in between the two that, that I think you, you struggle and sometimes you hit a home run and sometimes you've, you know, you fly out or ground out or strike out. And, um, but there is, I praise those folks that are trying to find that balance uh, in the middle. So it's it really is innovation for the sake of liberation. It's for rescue. It's it's uh, relevance in the culture, and we tend to hide. Yeah, I struggle with this. Is the whole issue of Christ and culture, even within churches, we build these campuses. We kind of hide from the rest of culture when it, it becomes insulated, and uh, that's not. I don't. I don't read that. I don't see Jesus doing that. Right. 
I don't see the early church doing that in Acts. And yet, for some reason, we've created all these Christian subcultures and we've retreated. And I just, I react fairly significantly against that kind of thing, trying to just push myself and push us out. Like the early church, they were, they were out. Jesus was out. So, uh, and that's innovative because the right. tendency when it's, when you're anxious or afraid or scared is to, you know, circle the wagons. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day we wake up and we realize we're irrelevant and you can become irrelevant pretty fast. Yeah. You know, when the pace of innovation around you or your organization is faster than your organization's ability to innovate, you're already no longer relevant. You're yeah. losing relevancy. You're becoming irrelevant. You know, <laughs> if you weren't here Sunday, we talked about blockbuster video. We've all yeah. rented, you know, I grew up renting That's those things story. with my kids and there's they're gone. There's one left, and they kept it as a museum. And I even said, "The church, we do that in the church." Right. Uh, Kodak Films, another great example. You know, it's gone. It's just they went bankrupt in 2012. They couldn't come up with a business model, even though they invented digital photos. They were yeah, the original inventors of that. Yeah, I, I, we must have read the same book, and it talked about the CEO. You know, at the time, was like, "Yeah, it's a great novelty, but." Let's go ahead and pull all the funding on the digital camera and pour it into, I don't know what they were working on at the time. It was a website so that you could go develop your pictures, your digital <laughs> yeah. photos. Right. That's really, I didn't go into that. In the, but it was a website to develop your digital photos. Well, anybody can do that on their own little PC. Right. So it's just, and they're gone. Yeah. And I think uh, in main lines, I think some of the other non-denoms <clears throat> do a better job, but I think they're a little, they're more show and entertainment and and less depth so there's this there's this struggle between how much again right what's tastefully the right balance right that's hard to find it's super hard this is a lot of this is kind of around this topic is what um i did my my master's program and graduate work on and one of the things that i did some research on you know i guess you could say innovation in the church and it you know, up until the Industrial Revolution, the church was a culture creator because change was so slow. And so, you know, for example, you know, hospitals and Absolutely. universities, yeah. you know, they were all started by churches and, and there was no um, industry, right, where that, that could pour in tons of money to for the sake of innovation to make a profit. So there was just innovating for the sake of, of new and for the sake of discovery you know, and, and churches could be a part of that. And it wasn't until kind of the Industrial Revolution where, you know, huge companies could hire could scientists and R&D people to create new, innovate, that the church kind of fell behind. And now, you know, I think for the first time in the history of the church, we, we use the word relevant, to stay relevant, as opposed to, you know, creating, participating in culture. And one of the things you said was instead of building you know, inward or, or institutions, like a better word, you know, maybe we should be out into the culture. And, and I think that's hard for people today to imagine that because culture can be so far from what we perceive the gospel to be about and the church values to be about and Christian values to be about. We don't know how to really jump into culture and not just participate, but create, yeah, create. You know, and be a part of that in, in a way that the early church saw issues in the Roman Empire and they didn't uh, they didn't wait they just jumped in and said 
this is who we are. This is what we're going to do and created a culture of, of love and created, you know, made the gospel um, so significant and so much better than what was available that it became the, the dominant religion a hundred years after Jesus leaves, you know, that they were so able to jump in and do that. I think now it's such a wide gap that we don't know how to jump in there and do that. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. That's, that's interesting because, you know, the, the church was the culture creators, uh, and not just in the ways you mentioned, also in art and in architecture, mm-hmm. uh, European architecture with the, I mean, they're all museums now, very right. few are active churches. Again, it's kind of, but that they were the one and thinking mm-hmm. all the great thinkers, uh, came out of and through the church hospitals, uh, universities again, and it was all for the common good. It was scientific for the discoveries. Yeah, it was, again, it was, it was. It was innovate for the sake of liberate, for mm-hmm. the sake of a flourishing life, for the sake of common good. Why? Because that's what God wants for all humankind, right? right? And we don't talk about common good in our culture anymore. I wish we did. Uh, it's hard to hear all these tweets that are hammering indiv- you know, people in quotes, it's so it's so vitriolic and filled with ire. I wish we could, you know, again, if the church could innovate and get back out and create culture in a way that benefits the common good, that's when the church shines. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would actually hope that there would be agnostics or atheists listening to this too, um, that would consider those some of the things that we've talked about, uh, because it's it is for the sake of humankind's flourishing because that's what God wants for all people, right? And it, it, it pres- the church ought to present itself as a better way to live and a quality of life that's, that's better, that's different, that's changed, that's transformed. So, I mean, again, I'm, I'm rambling, but it's, it's important for church folks to hear this and people that have had bad experiences with the church to hear this and for people that have no, you know, they've walked from faith or they're questioning it or they've never had it. That's the reality. Uh, as I've read it and looked at it, someone as an armchair historian, I suppose, over mm-hmm. the years. Um, but I'm getting to the point now, I've lived enough life that it's it becomes clearer. You know, I've got more days in my rear view mirror than I do in my, you know, looking out the, the windshield. Um, and that's not, I don't lament that for the most part. Once in a while I feel, oh, that kind of, kind of was a bummer unless I live to be 112 years old, you know, I mean, the, who knows, right? Because yeah, right. the way the world innovates, yeah, that's right. who, who knows, but nobody gets out of death. Right. I mean, that's the whole point. But, and I, you know, it's such a strong message to hear for the church and encourage, and it's so different. Right. It's just, it's different. It's not what we're accustomed to hearing. Um, for me as a pastor, it's an uphill, it's an uphill climb to help some of the most gracious, loving, kind, amazing people. It's hard to get a paradigm shift of that nature, uh, into their minds. It feels like an uphill battle most, more often than not. But I know for me, it's not out of a sense of anything other than the glory of God. And you really, relevance is important because the mission has to be more important than the method. I don't know if I said that in the microphone here. I think I've said it a few other times before we turned on the mic, but um, 
those are the things I, I ruminate with when I look at that last text so that, so that you have, you, know, you can't put new, th- new cloth, a new patch of cloth into old cloth that's already been laundered and pre-washed and pretty shrunk. When you put an, when you put a new piece of cloth that hasn't been pre-washed into an existing piece of cloth that's been through the laundry a whole bunch of times and it's already shrunk, the new piece of cloth just shrinks and tears and everything's ruined, both the new and the old. And I'm not a winemaker because I'm a recovering alcoholic, but uh, I wouldn't mind, you know, I did used to, because I'm a recovering alcoholic, I used to know a lot about alcohol. And I Thanks know that, I know that, you, you know, when wine ferments, uh, you can't put new wine or grape juice into old wine skins that have already gone through that process. They'll burst. Hmm. So, and that was Jesus's battle, even with the religious authorities of which I represent. Maybe we all do. We all do, probably. And I struggle with it as a person and as a pastor and even in public opinion. But you, we have to learn to celebrate new forms and new methods yeah. for the sake of the mission of God in the world. Um, or we have become extremely irrelevant in a social club where we pay our dues. And I'm not about that. Yeah. Nor should anyone ever be about that. And if they are, that's okay. Um I just, we're going to have to expect respectfully agree to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think what you're hitting on it is kind of, um, you know, it, it is a lot of our charge, you know, from Jesus to go and to make disciples that, that, that to those people, especially that, that was a new, I mean, to, to, to go and do something as new as Christianity and to, to spread that gospel message, you know, maybe every day. I mean, you know, it doesn't mean that we do something different every single day of our life, but every day, we're, we're looking for that opportunity to do the thing that God has called us to do. And it's probably not the same old, same old, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be doing something that is a new opportunity. It's going to be talking to a new person. It's going to be reaching out in a way that maybe you haven't done yet because God needs you to, I mean, you know, for the sake of the gospel, um, we are his hands and feet. And so, you know, we are, he is going to ask us at times to, to do the new innovative thing for the sake of reaching others. So let's, let's, if in the last few minutes, if you want, um, you, you left us with a call to action. Um, what might that look like? So, you know, we talked about at broad kind of what it looks like to innovate for the sake of the gospel, but you, you ended the sermon with a call to action to do that here and now in our community. Um, uh, without making it too easy for people, uh, what, and what, what does that look like here at PPC to, to participate and innovation for our community. <laughs> Man, you just threw a hack round or the third towards me. Um, you I know, mean, just, you know, some yeah, yeah, examples. Yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, I think don't get in the way of innovation. Hmm. Frankly. Right. I mean, I can be honest here. If I can't be honest here, if you can't be honest in the church, then we are in trouble. So don't get in the way of innovation. Um, embrace, embrace, New people with new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are going to be home runs. Some of them aren't. But that's the nature of it. Um, I think. I think even you know, like what we're doing here is has the potential for new. Uh,
I'm just thinking of other real practical ways that you could do this. I mean, if you're a beach kind of person, I did this, I did a blog not, not too long ago about seven good vacation hacks and it was kind of the same, same thing. So I'm kind of ruminating on this from a variety of different slants or angles or layers. Uh, just try something new in your own life every single day. Maybe it's a new food. Maybe it's a new place to eat. Maybe it's a new item on the menu of the same restaurant that you always go to. Mm -hmm. Just get used to doing new. It's fun. It's exciting. You're not dead yet. You're still alive. Things can change. Uh, and that's all part of the, just the adventure of being a human being alive to God. Mm -hmm. um, listen to a new story. Listen to someone else's perspective, especially someone you disagree with. Mm. Now you're getting into just the core of Jesus' message. You know, who is your enemy? Go ask him their story and don't say a word. Yeah. Just listen. So there's a lot of different ways to live that out. And I think I think Jesus really embodies much, if not all of that. He never dismissed anyone. He always embraced their story and he responded accordingly. That's a huge challenge for me because I can't do that. I have enough. In, you know, I can't always do that. I don't have the emotional resources. Some days I just couldn't do it. I'm just, I'm not Jesus. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's a good mm -hmm. thing, right? Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> I mean, nobody's Jesus, so we're going to, we're going to fall down once in a while. But, um, those are just a couple of different things that I can think of. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's fascinating to me, cause I've, I've obviously I've thought a lot about this, right? People in the church, for whatever reason, it's, it's interesting to deconstruct some things because that's what we're doing in this podcast, too. We're trying to deconstruct and reconstruct. Mm -hmm. Jesus never changes. I agree with that 100%. God never changes. So, but, but our default as human beings tends to be, oh, so then my church shouldn't change or I shouldn't change or I shouldn't innovate or my church should not innovate. It doesn't say that. Hmm. You know, because God is this way. Everything else can innovate. Uh, around that one core uh, that doesn't. So I'm fascinated by that notion too, um, that we we kind of draw these assumptions, take it to the next level that it wasn't there, which is, again, Jesus' big hang-up with the, the establishment, the religious authorities. Right. And they kept taking it one next, right. the next logical step, and all of a sudden they had this huge, wall, this big barrier around what was meant to be uh, a liberating and freeing thing. And it's, it's jail hmm. and hell. Yeah. It's restrictive. It's restrictive. And I think that's, I think that's what most people's beef with the institution of the church truly is. And there's a level of that that I get, you know, I, 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 I can get that. I feel that in my gut too. Um, did I answer your question? I don't even remember yeah, what it was. Yeah. A few practical things. Yeah. Practical Those things are great. too. Those are great. But I've, you know, part of it too is, I don't know, I've always had this, that's just part of my wiring too. You know, I, I've always tried to blaze a trail for those that are my age and younger. Um, I, I look at my folks now and I wonder, we moved my mom and dad a few weeks ago and without betraying a whole lot, it was really hard to watch them go through that process. And I, Don and I both looked at each other and said, is that, is that going to be us in 25 years? Mm -hmm. And we, we both hope not. Mm -hmm. 
at certain levels because they they're kind of now mostly for health reasons reasons that I understand reasons that I'm very compassionate about um, they have their certain things mm-hmm. and those can't change um, and I I'm a little bit more of an adventurer than that yeah for what it's worth no I think that's so that's maybe eighty percent of this wasn't true and twenty percent <laughs> was now the now the rest of them who are listening you're listening you got to figure out what's what's from God and what isn't there you go yeah. Can't think of a better way to uh, to sum up uh, what was said is that most of it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. A, that's great. No, I really appreciate your time. You know, and and I think uh, one one thing that I really wanted to to end on it made me think about maybe this is just too practical. Um, you know, from a staff from my staff perspective, sometimes we're charged to innovate and to do, and then sometimes you know finding the people to participate in that can be a big struggle. You know, finding like to be asked to do new and innovate, but then. Um, you know, not having the, the people looking to to try the new and to participate in it or not having a lot of people or enough people to do that can be this, this, this tension between pulling off the kind of new for our community but then not having enough people excited to do the new to really make that happen. And it's this tension that yeah. that we kind of live in or I live in and I see a lot in our staff of, of like it would be great if people read the newsletter and all the new exciting things and then it said, hey, you know, went up to somebody and be like, tell me more about that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. How can I get involved in that? You know, um, that's new. That sounds like that's the potential to uh, to kind of reinvent the way BBC is reaching out or the way BBC is presenting the gospel to people. Um, tell me more about that. I want to learn more about that. That seems yeah. exciting. That seems new. Um, yeah, that's a, I think you're right. I mean, the word that immediately comes to my mind is often we're, we're charged and tasked with maintenance, you know, maintain, 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 maintain. And again, that was Jesus rub with the religious establishment. You know, they wanted him to maintain what they've always done. And he, he kind of came in, Hey, let's innovate this a little bit. I'm going to take it deeper. Mm-hmm. Not that, but this, um, so he was that original kind of reformer. And the other thing I would hate for folks to, this is more of a PS, I suppose, to what we've done over the last half hour. Uh, I really believe in the church. I love the church, capital C. Actually, and, and I wouldn't want anyone to think that this was in any way speaking ill of the church. I think I didn't mean it. That, you know, it's not where we're coming from. In fact, I have such a high view of the church because the church is the physical representation of Jesus on earth today in the ideal theological and philosophical realm of why the church exists. So literally to, to malign the church, small c, and capital C in any way is to actually speak ill of Christ himself. I would hate for anybody, I, wouldn't, I would be deeply grieved if that was heard today mm-hmm. um, because that's not at all what I was trying to, we've been trying to do other than point out from a text uh, ways in which we can continue to be relevant because God is alive in the world today. And that I do believe. Um, or we wouldn't be sitting here talking into microphones. Yeah. You know? Um, anyway. Yeah, that's good. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And we had some really good discussion. I always enjoy our, our talks. Uh, I just want to thank our listeners. 
And um, just remind everyone that uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so. A great place to do that is on iTunes or on Google Play Store. So you'll get a reminder um, every week when the new episode comes out. Uh, you can also download the PPC po- uh, app and listen to the podcast there. And um, we'll do some some push notifications when the new podcast comes out. And uh, please share it. It'd be great. Yeah, and, inter- and interact with the content. Yeah, yeah totally. I agree. I disagree. Here's here's we can innovate. Here's yeah. here's some great ideas on on how we can innovate. And uh, we're not the only innovators. There's a lot of great innovators in this church. Uh, and in the church, there's amazing people. If there's some, you know, again, creating, I'm all about creating space, mm-hmm. uh, for folks to bring what they have and their giftedness. So please interact and, you know, on the threads down below, take it further. This is just yeah. a conversation starter. Yeah, that's a great, yeah. You can, if you've listened to the, this far, yeah, feel free to, uh, to drop a comment when we drop this on, on Facebook about, uh, where you see the church innovating and what excites you about some of these innovations that the church is participating in. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, man. Bye.